This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning and welcome to Celebration Church. Glad that all of you have joined with us as we are streaming to you live and have been streaming to you live for the last... 20 minutes or so from the beautiful city of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Big shout out to all our church members that are watching online, all those from our Green Bay campus, all those over our campus in Appleton uh, and over in Stevens Point as well. It'll be good when we can all get together again. They're starting to lift some of this stuff around the country. And uh, so it won't be much longer before we lift it. Although it is likely that we will be the last thing lifted. (laughs) It is what it is. Uh, When they finally say that people can be packed together in a room, my guess is that will be the last thing that will happen. So even though some places are starting to open up and soon even restaurants and stuff, it'll probably be a little bit longer before they give us the green light. So we'll see how it goes anyway. (laughs) No, I don't know. It's going to spread out as long as we're not touching people. We'll see. We'll see how much we push it. Anyway. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is what we do every Sunday before our message. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That is, in fact, what... We believe, again, good to have you with us. And I just uh, stress people, it's amazing how many people I've talked to who are convinced all of this is pre-recorded. It is not pre-recorded. Oh, then your music's pre-recorded. No, these guys are actually up here doing this with us live. We are among the few churches in the country that are actually still doing live services. We haven't changed anything. Of course, in all fairness, we've been doing this for 15 years. Who'd have thought we'd be on the cutting edge of societal evolution? <clears throat> so while everybody else is scrambling and pre-recording messages and pre-recording clips and pre-recording music and trying to do everything technologically to uh, pull it off together, and a lot of pastors are doing their messages from their basements. They look like Bin Laden videos, you know, from the <laughs> bowels of Afghanistan or something because they just don't have the equipment, the lighting, the sound and stuff. We're a blessed congregation. We have all this stuff, and we've been doing this for a long time, so we have not skipped a beat. And I've had people say, well, well who are you talking to when you're preaching? Nobody. <laughs> the cameraman? <laughs> Becky, she's my audience. 
Woo! She laughs all at the appropriate times to keep you going. I say, well, how do you do that? I've been doing this for years. <laughs> Again, who would have thought the edge of societal evolution? Falling into it by accident. Um, before we get into the message, we want to uh, take our time for our offering. Obviously, nobody can hand anything out to you for a bucket, but you can go right now online uh, on uh, if you're on our, what do you call it, app or on our webpage, and there's a give button. Is that right? You can click that. Many of you uh, have signed up for recurring giving. If you haven't done that yet, please do that. There's a good time to do it. Uh, and again, who'd have thought we'd be on the edge of this? <laughs> I've heard of a lot of churches that are struggling horribly financially now, and uh, we have not. Thank God for it. We have a very faithful congregation. Many have signed up for recurring giving. Giving continue to do that uh, because then you know, hey, look, every week I'm going to give X amount of dollars to my church. It's a good thing, especially in Green Bay, <clears throat> when even in the middle of April, we can have 12 feet of snow on a given Sunday. So this way, it always keeps things flowing. You never know uh, what's going to happen. So we are, I guess we're a pretty prepared group of people. Uh, if you haven't done that and would like to give per Sunday, you can push the give button. Or those of you watching on Facebook and stuff, you can text. So uh, push us off the side there for a minute and just text. Send a message to 77977. That's the number. So you're going to send a text to 77977, and then you're going to type the message CCWI, which stands for Celebration Church, Wisconsin. Even if you're not in Wisconsin, you can still do it, CCWI, and put in your amount, $30,000, or whatever you'd like to give, <laughs> or, or anything in between there, <clears throat> and zero, uh, and, uh, and send the amount, and it'll plug you in, and you'll be able to give. You say, well, we don't normally give, you know, online. Well, now's a good time to do it because obviously you can't come to church. And if Celebration Church is really considered your church, and there we have people all over, believe it or not, the world who um, consider this their church all over the country. I run into them all the time. Say, look, we've, we've tried to connect with local congregations. We just, we just love what happens there. Uh, and we need to do a better job of even trying to connect these people. You know, even like small groups, online small groups and stuff like that. Get them all signed up. Get y'all involved. If uh, you're receiving ministry from here, you should be giving financially to here. If you're receiving ministry right now, you should be giving right now. That is the biblical standard. Don't be a slacker. All right? So text 77977, CCWI, and the amount you want to give, and then or go and click on the give button. Uh, so this morning, I want to read to you <clears throat> From First uh, Peter, first chapter, verses three through seven. We're going to start there. Peter writes this: "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead." This is he's still he's celebrating the resurrection. Today is the second Sunday in Easter. Churches all around the world will be celebrating Easter. Uh, for several weeks now. We don't just do it on Easter morning. We keep celebrating for, I mean, this is a big deal, what we do. He says, all of us have got, come into this new life because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, Paul said, if there's no resurrection, then everything we do doesn't mean anything. The resurrection is the key thing. This is what is proclaimed. This is what's celebrated as believers in Christ is our, that, that he died and he rose again from the dead and is alive right now. So we're celebrating that, he says. And, uh, and from 
this, we've, we've gotten this new hope, verse 4, and into an, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation already to be reve- ready to be revealed at the last time. So through this uh, resurrection, we have this faith experience that creates for us an inheritance. I don't know about you, but it's nice to find out you have an inheritance. Some great anti-dice somewhere and leaves you a whole bunch of money. That's always a good day, all right? But we have an incredible inheritance that's waiting for us. You say, when does it come? When we get out of here. And uh, we want that inheritance. We're supposed to be laying up treasures in heaven. Don't live the kind of, and by the way, that's one of the things that you do when you give financially. You're laying up treasures in heaven. You don't want to get up there and, you know, your treasure's a little tiny thing like this. You want something big up there because you have been doing things for advancing the kingdom of God. He says in verse six, in this you rejoice. What? This new life, this new hope, the power of the resurrection and this incredible inheritance. We're going somewhere intentionally. We're just passing through this place. The scripture warns us, don't get so obsessed by every little thing that's in front of you, even COVID-19. All of it, everything that we experience in life is temporary, thank God, because a lot of it is quite miserable and inconvenient. The good news, this shall pass. One word of encouragement we've always said to each other, no matter how bad things, so got really bad, you just look at each other and say, this too shall pass, because <laughs> it does. It all passes. It all moves on. Thank God, we are just passing through here. We're headed to a great place, and in this, he says, we rejoice. Even if now, for a little while, you have had to suffer various trials. Can you say amen to that? Those of you locked away for the last, oh, good heavens, various trials, or maybe you've gotten sick during this time from this little bug running around or from other bugs. It's not like all the other bugs took off. There's still people getting colds and flus and all this other kind of still kills lots of people. I mean, or maybe you've got something else going on, some trial, some unexpected something. You lost your job during this stupid lockdown. Yeah. You are in the middle of some trials. He says, we rejoice even though we go through trials. And then he talks about these trials. These trials come so that the genuineness of our faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable is tested by fire, that's how you purify gold in the fire, that our faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. People always say, why do lousy things happen? Peter tells us why these lousy things happen to people of faith is because it's a testing of our faith. It's when you really find what you are really experiencing on the inside. Now, we tend to deceive ourselves. The Bible warns about deceiving ourselves. Now, we tend to convince ourselves that we're really rather fabulous. Everything's great. All is well with us, you know. Uh, And then somebody comes along and ticks us off, and we get mad or some situation ticks us off, or the governor, pick your state, locks you in your basement for however many months, ticks you off. You know, why are these things happening? And you kind of lose it. Uh, now, we often, there's a phrase sometimes uh, where people will say, you know, um, somebody brings out the worst in me, uh, as if without that person, the worst isn't there. Now, we, we think that other people create what's bad in us. You know, it's the situation is what's creating this ugliness in me. 
It's this lockdown that's creating the ugliness in me. It's my irritating husband that's creating this ugliness in me. It's my mother-in-law. It's whatever else. It's my ex. Some of you guys with exes, boy, that isn't a comment I hear over and over again. They bring out the worst in me. No sunshine. They're showing you the worst that's in you. It's already there. Nobody creates anything in you. See, we live in this bubble where we try to protect ourselves, which is natural. I'm not saying don't do that. I mean, just the reality is nobody wants to be around people who irritate the snot out of us. Nobody wants to be in situations where we're miserable. We try and structure our lives. We go to our jobs. We do our thing, everything to create this comfort bubble around us. That's natural. But somebody is always a bubble popper. <laughs> bubble poppers everywhere. Look out. It might be your neighbor. It might be your pastor. Who knows? That someone's going to come along and enter that bubble and pop things, and it gets you upset. Maybe it's your ex. Maybe it's your president. It's whatever it is. And we think that person is what is creating this. They're not creating it. If you're finding ugly in you, it's you. It's what's in there. Say, so, well, that's kind of discomforting. Well, yeah. Well, what do we do? It's a chance to see what's really like. And then we work on this area and ask God to help us not to have that icky in us. Because if you're convinced, and again, most people are, most Christians I know are convinced when that ugly comes, it's because this person's created it. The situation is created. They see no connection to them at all. All their focus is on that. When in fact, the focus ought to be on you. We're supposed to examine ourselves. One of the things that we do every Sunday when we take communion, and we'll be doing it this morning, is a time of reflection. Reflection. <laughs> Reflecting. And we look at ourselves. Look here. Are you seeing ugly around here? Don't blame somebody else because we're convinced that if we just get rid of this external person, if this irritating person would accidentally be run over by a truck, may God rest his soul. You know, we think that's what I really need. I need to get rid of this person or this situation or that boss that I have. And, and then I'll be where I normally am in a place of peace. Well, you're just deceiving yourself. If someone, if you've got icky popping in because of some situation, all it's doing is showing you, in fact, what is in you. When you get to the point where you can have icky happening around you and you don't freak out, you don't panic. Some of you are filled with fear right now, walking around in a big bubble because you're afraid of, you know, this COVID thing or whatever. And I'm all for being smart to a degree. But, you know, uh, you know, some of you just in fear. Well, pastor, that thing's causing me fear. No, that's what's showing what's in you. I'm walking around all paranoid, trying to be smart. I don't kiss strangers, stuff like that. You know, who knows what they've got on them. But, uh, I don't want, we're not walking around paranoid. If you're full of fear this weekend, that's what's in you. So, no, no, it's, it's that thing. No, it's not that thing. That thing is showing what's in you. Get him off of that thing. <laughs> I'm having a great time preaching to myself this morning. <laughs> Shake your thing. Praise the Lord. Get rid of that. Isn't that the thing? You're probably in the thing. Probably is you. <laughs> And look at yourself. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's easy to have faith when everything is good. But you're not really having faith. It's just that everything is good. It's easy to love people that think just like you. Those are some of my favorite people. <laughs> Although I have to admit, it's a smaller group. <laughs> I don't. Thank God for my one laughter. I, I, <laughs> 
I don't have many people who think like some of my closest friends on earth don't think like me. They don't all agree with what I think. Even my gorgeous wife, who's suffering for the Lord, probably still in bed this morning. <laughs> Even she doesn't think like me. In fact, the only person I know who thinks like me is me. That's why I love me. I'm one of my biggest fans. Love is about surrounding yourself. You know, you got all these little churches all over America. 400,000 churches in America. 80% of 400,000 churches are 100 people or less. Why is it? That's about as many people as you can get on one room that all kind of think the same. And even then, they don't last for a while. Before somebody hits, they get mad and they split and send off whatever. You know, no, it's, you can't find people who always think about everything. If you just like and are comfortable around everybody who thinks just like you, well, what's the credit of that? It's easy to walk in forgiveness if nobody ticks you off. I feel I'm a really forgiving, patient person until... I have to deal with something that ticks me off. You know my stumbling block is? It always is. It's business. Business people. Just ticks me off. Getting on the phone with some idiot. I have issues. They just, you know, they can't think. They can't think. They can only what is in the box. If you're outside the box, they go crazy. And I find myself, I'm doing better. Pray for me. Because I look at that. I don't walk away thinking, that person has a problem. I go, that person shows me I have a problem. And I realize it's me and focus on, look what Jesus said in uh, Luke chapter six, verse 32, verses 32 and 33. He says, if you love those who love you, whoop these stinking do. It's my own translation. Even sinners, creepy people love those that love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, who cares? Even sinners do the same. Everybody, you know, it's when you're kind to people who aren't kind to you. You know, we, like most people, have close friends and stuff. We got a, a couple of close friends that we hang with all the time. And, uh, and you know, we'll, we'll go out and, uh, you know, maybe I pay for dinner because I, next, I know next time Corey will pay for the dinner <laughs> or Tracy will pick up the dinner next time, you know. And we all do. We go to each other's house. I got it. Or they just go over to my house. Uh, there's less than, there were less than 10 of us. Don't worry. Uh, and and uh, brought some pieces. So, you know, we all, but I can't go around thinking, gee, I'm a really giving person in that situation. I give because I know they're going to be giving, they're going to pick up the check next time. <laughs> Listen, what's giving is when you invite somebody over who can't give anything back to you. When you pick up somebody's tab in a restaurant, who can't pick up your tab? That's when kindness and love and grace shows up. So uh, anyway, try not to get uh, too frustrated. Our, our faith is being tested, but just remember the whole time it's being tested. Where am I? <laughs> this thing's testing me right now. That uh, all of this is, all it's doing is it's showing what is in you don't again not to beat it to death but don't be thinking your problem is that thing it's that thing it's that person it's that president it's that person I mean, whatever your psychotic little delusions are going crazy no well if it weren't for him i wouldn't be upset yeah you would because you got some icky stuff inside of you 
And all that stuff is shows you what's in you. You want to get to the place where stuff doesn't send you through the roof. Anyway, after talking about these tests, Peter says this, picking up at verse 18. He says, although you have not seen him, talking about Jesus, you love him, which is kind of interesting for Peter. See, Peter, he's writing this. He saw Jesus. He interacted. He's one of his apostles. From the get-go, Peter was there. He saw all the miracles. He heard all the words. He, and, you know, you read oftentimes these comments in the Gospels that, you know, there were lots of other things that Jesus did that, that weren't recorded. I think, why didn't you record it? <laughs> I want to know what he did. I want to know what happened. He saw stuff most of us don't even know about. He experienced it. He saw Jesus physically after he had been risen from the dead. So Peter thinks, well, man, this is amazing. I've seen all this. But he writes, you know, what's amazing is you guys haven't seen him. And yet you love him. And even though you don't see him now, he writes, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And you know, there's something really interesting about when you really come to faith in Christ. It's so real. It's not any different than if you actually saw him. In fact, Peter says, you guys who haven't seen a thing have this indescribable joy. This is an amazing experience that you have. And, you know, it's, it's why people of faith, uh, you know, if you're watching this morning and you're curious about who these crazy people are, uh, you have to understand the reason that we get so excited and so jazzed about this is because it is so real to us. We don't have this. We're not crossing our fingers hoping this is all true. I hope this is true. We're not desperate. Oh, God, if you're out there, please hear. That is not our experience. Our experience as we have met the living Christ. It is so real. I don't think it would be any different if he physically walked up to us. Seriously. In fact, you know, people think, oh, man, I wish I could see Jesus face to face. You know, I, I never really think in those terms. I mean, it'd be kind of, kind of cool, I guess. You know, although John saw Jesus face to face, I gave him a heart attack. <laughs> He says, I fell to my feet as though dead, you know, fell to the ground. You know, people always think it's cool to see an angel or Jesus or something. Apparently, no. Most people who saw angels, their response was, ah, and it scared them to death. And that's why the first things out of their mouths were always, don't be afraid. Apparently, it's quite terrifying. We don't go around hoping that someday we'll see Jesus. We know. It's, we have already met him. It's that real. It, we have this amazing connection, even though we've never seen him with our eyes. That's why we use phrases like, we met Jesus. And we'll ask, have, have you met Jesus? You know, and people, when they hear that, who don't know what we're talking about, it's new to, new to faith, I think, well, you guys are crazy. But it's so real. That's what Peter's writing about. This incredible experience, even though you have not seen him, that is the power of faith. And it's not the power of just wishing. We're not into the wishing business. We're not wishing this is true. We're not crossing our toes and fingers and hoping that when we die, maybe all this will pan out the way that we thought. This stuff is real. It is absolutely indisputable to those who have encountered Christ. There's nothing you can say that's going to change that. There's nothing you can do to us, quite frankly, that'll change that. That's why people have been sacrificing their lives uh, for the faith of Christ. Why? It's not Jesus. They're just dying for nothing. They know Jesus. He's as real to us as if he was standing right here, right now. That is the glorious thing of faith. Anyway, so uh, talking about <clears throat> uh, seeing things, 
I want us to look at uh, John, the Gospel of John. And this is what we're talking about on the second Sunday in Easter. We're talking about the accounts now after the resurrection. And we're going to talk about the, uh, the account where we talk about Thomas. And he's referred to as Doubting Thomas. So let's take a look at this. This is uh, in John's Gospel, chapter 20, starting at verse 19. It says, when it was evening on that day, what day? The day that Jesus rose from the dead. So this is, this is pretty fresh. He had just risen from the dead. It was evening that day. And it was the first day of the week, Sunday. And the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Why were they locked? Well, they had just arrested Jesus, <clears throat> crucified Jesus. And they're all figured, <clears throat> they got to be, <clears throat> I got a frog. <clears throat> they all got to figure they're coming for us next. All right, he's got to be coming for us. They arrested him and killed him. They got to be so they're in fear for their lives, and they got everything bolted down and they're sh shuttered away uh, up in this room. <clears throat> and then it says Jesus came and stood among them and said, "Peace be with you." Now it doesn't say some of the other things talk about how they were terrified, <laughs> thought it was a ghost or something. Can you imagine? <clears throat> you know, we've all had this experience, right? Where you think you're alone. And you're convinced you are absolutely alone. And you turn around and there's somebody right there. <laughs> and it scares you. To, my wife does this all the time. And I don't know what the deal is. I live here, you know. But all of a sudden, if I walk in a room and she doesn't know, ah, it just, just shakes her up. Can you imagine having your doors bolted down to keep everybody out? And you turn around and, ah, there's a guy standing there. How did he even get in here? Well, Jesus, obviously doors don't keep him out is standing right in front of them. So, and then it says, after this, he, uh, he said this, he showed them his hands in, and, and his side. Uh, why? Because one of the other gospels re, uh, report, they thought it was a ghost or something. It scared them. They don't give all the details. They rarely give lots of details. I was talk, I've said this many times. I was talking to a group of pastors this last week. Sometimes people say, the Bible's a bunch of stories. If they're stories, these are the worst storytellers ever in the world because they give no details. They just give facts. Bah, 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 bah. It's like, what happened? We don't know what happened. One of the other guys says, he pops in. They all freak out. That's why he shows them. Look, it's me. Touch my hands. Look at the, because he, he kept the wounds. <clears throat> uh, it was obviously done intentionally. I'm hoping we don't do that when we get resurrected from the dead. I would like a dramatic improvement. <laughs> I hope I still don't look like me. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, what am I talking about? Okay, so um, he walks in and they are shocked and they see him. And then it says the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. All right. So now we pick it up uh, at verse uh, 24. It says, but Thomas, who was called the twin, he was one of the 12 apostles, was not with them when Jesus came. They were all there. He wasn't there. They all see this. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But Thomas says, Unless I see the marks of the nails in his hand and put my finger in the marks of his nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. There's no way. Y'all are crazy. Until I see it, I'm just not going to believe. Well, a week later now, his disciples were again in the house. And this time Thomas was with them. And although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And uh, again, I would assume to startle them. He just walks right through doors. And, and then he says to Thomas, he looks at Thomas and says, hey, put your fingers here and see my hands. 
and reach out your hand and put it in my side. I do not doubt, but believe. And then Thomas answers him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed, happy, rejoicing, as Peter said, are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. There's actually a statement of faith that Peter says, and even Jesus says here, that the greater joy is for us who haven't seen him physically. We actually have a greater joyous experience as a result of that. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. So anyway, this is known as Thomas. This is Doubting Thomas, and everybody slams Doubting Thomas. And uh, <laughs> poor guy, I think everybody... Everyone, he introduces himself in heaven. Oh, you're doubting Thomas. Oh, he's got to hear this all the time. Uh, it's really a bad rap, actually, because the truth is, and I don't know why he's singled out in this dramatic moment. The truth is, none of the apostles believed without seeing. All right? In <clears throat> uh, Mark, the 16th chapter, after Mary Magdalene had come and told him she'd seen the Lord. But when they heard it, they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. None of them believed it until that night where we say, we just read, Jesus, boom, here he is, and he shows his hands. Then they believed. They were all doubting Thomas, all of those rascals. None of them believed it. The fact that Thomas gets a bad rap is unfortunate for him only because uh, of it happens for him a week later. But they were all this way. It wasn't just Thomas. <clears throat> anyway, interesting. They all believed because they saw it. But the truth is, the most powerful seeing is not with your eyes. It's with your heart. Peter then, uh, shortly after Jesus goes into heaven, uh, he's preaching his very first sermon. This is in, in the book of Acts, the 22nd chapter, 22nd verse. He says, and he's preaching to all these Jewish people that are there. He says, you that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders and signs that God did through him among you as you yourselves known. Here's the, here's the audience he's speaking to. All of these people had seen what Jesus did. I mean, it, it's amazing. It's one of the reasons uh, that gave Christianity such an immediate jump start. This stuff wasn't just done in a closet. It wasn't all of a sudden people came and said, hey, Jesus raised from the dead. Oh, who, who? You know? I mean, they all knew who he was. They had seen it. They would follow him. Multitudes, the Bible would say. Tens of thousands of people. And they would hear his words and see the miracles and all these incredible things that were going on. And it would be like if someone was going around Wisconsin and 10,000 or tens of thousands of people were following him and having miracles. How long do you think before everybody in Wisconsin would know about this? And Israel is a lot smaller than Wisconsin. Israel is a little over 10,000 square miles. Wisconsin is a little over 65,000 square miles. Israel is a little slice of land in the middle of nowhere. It's amazing the world's all fighting over that little piece of land but you just know Satan hates this place and they're always going psychotic. It's a little, you can walk across Israel. And it's one of the reasons Jesus walked everywhere because they didn't have cars and stuff, but he covered the whole place. Why? It wasn't very far. You can stand in one part of Israel, look over and see the sea. You know, it's like being 
Because they don't have anything tall around here. <laughs> we have a mountain, rib mountain, but it's more of a bump. <laughs> it's like being on some big hill in Appleton and you can see Green Bay. You know, again, we don't have that. But uh, I mean, you can see it's, it's not that far. It's a little tiny place. How long do you think before everybody had been exposed to what Jesus was doing? He's doing this for years, three years, multitudes, miracles, multitudes, miracles, healings. At times, Jesus would feed 10,000 people at one time, or however many thousand. He said, and they said, that was the men. That's not even counting the women and children. Who knows how many of those little rugrats are running around? He's so we got huge, huge numbers of people in a country that's the size of a postage stamp. They're all seeing this stuff. They're all experiencing this stuff. Yet, the vast majority of them did not let it change their lives. It had no dramatic impact on them, other than they thought it was impressive. It wasn't until they started preaching the resurrection of the dead, and then people started seeing here. It's not here. Man, the greatest example of this is reading the Old Testament, where, you know, Moses comes and says, let my people go. And they had all kinds of incredible miracles that you got to do movies today to even imagine special effects like crazy, to even imagine what happened for these people. And they went out, and they're in the wilderness. They got freed from this slavery after 400 years, and God's taking care of them. In the day, there's this big cloud that they follow, and at night, it turns into a pillar of fire. I mean, who sees stuff like this? This is not like you have to imagine. They're literally experiencing it. They wake up in the morning, there's food on the ground. I woke up this morning, no food on the ground. I didn't even have food in the kitchen. Because my wife's still in bed. I got nothing. These people would get up. <laughs> She's adorable. She'd get up, and there's food on the ground. And here's the thing. <clears throat> they didn't believe any of it. They were so stubborn in their hearts that God finally said, you know, none of y'all getting into the promised land. That's why they were out there for 40 years. He's waiting for them to die off. He's waiting for them. By the way, it's a great lesson. You can't outweigh God. You think you're something? <laughs> Being stubborn, fighting. Have fun with that. God just waited for them to die. And then he took their kids into the promised land. So here these people were seeing things that most of us would pay big money to see, experiencing miracles at a level that we can't even begin to imagine. And none of them believed any of it, even though they saw it physically. What's the point of all this? As much as we talk about poor Thomas and stuff, the truth is all of them were that way. And what was really miraculous is it wasn't until people started seeing here. Even when uh, Peter is preaching to all these Israelites who'd seen all these miracles that Jesus did, it wasn't until they started seeing here that all of a sudden they were transformed and changed and Christianity started exploding. And it has been exploding for the last... Because <laughs> my papers are exploding. <clears throat> exploding for the last 2,000 years. And it's still happening today. My hope and prayer, as it's kind of a two-part one, I want you to be encouraged and let God work in your heart and don't get mad at stuff happening around you. If you're having problems with this around you, your problem is you, all right? But to celebrate this thing that we know Jesus and that if you don't know Jesus, if you've never experienced this uh, powerful faith experience, I'm hoping that today, today that you have an epiphany, that the lights are turned on and you start to realize, and you can meet Jesus today in a way that is more powerful 
than if you were to have him physically walk up to you and shake your hand, which he wouldn't do because of COVID-19. I don't think Jesus would have had a problem with COVID-19. You know, when you raise people from the dead, COVID is not a big problem. So more, I'm telling you, that's amazing. That's the point of this message. You can meet Jesus today in a way that is more powerful than if he physically walked up to you. If you will look here and open your heart in here. Wow. Anyway. Um, okay. I'm done.